Amen. Thank you so much, Dana and worship team. We've been blessed today as we worship God together. Amen. It is so good to be here, and I pray that you've been blessed so far as we've been here in fellowship, worshiping God. And we're here because God is good, right? He's always good, even when we remember things like we do this weekend, September 11th, 2001. God is still good. We praise God that we're able to come and worship, to fellowship, and to most of all, glorify him through our time together. And in doing so, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer as we continue on in his word. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Lord, despite not just what happened 20 years ago, but what's happening today, Lord, there are so many things happening on this earth. COVID's still here. We, we thought it would be gone by now, but it's still going strong. Lord, we see hurricanes, earthquakes, all sorts of turmoil, unrest. But Lord, you're still on your throne. You are still worthy to be worshipped today. And that's why we are here. We are here to worship to praise you and to thank you for your goodness and your grace. And it's in that that we come. As we open your word, we pray that you would also be glorified, that your name would be lifted up, that your heart would be warm because of the gratitude from our hearts, that we'd be transformed today in the process. And so we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we think about all the things that are happening today and, and even in the past, I got to say, what I'm going to share with you may sound a little trivial. As a matter of fact, I feel trivial even sharing it with you because it's, it's one of those first world problems. You know, th- this past week, I, I went through a situation that, that made me quite disappointed. It, and it's an ongoing thing. And it's a result of an ongoing issue at my house, and it's called sketchy internet connection. Have you ever experienced that? So I moved here two, almost two years ago now. And, and I, had, I, was only, I was stuck with one option for internet, and I had no choice, so I got it. And they hooked it up, and it seemed to be working okay in the past year and a half. But I, I noticed really quickly it was, it was slow. And we'd be on trying to watch something, trying to surf, trying to do research. It was always going off and on. It's frustrating, especially when all three of us would need to do something different. And so I really didn't notice it as bad until COVID came, and when I had to do a lot of... Uh, a lot of a Zoom. And so that's when I really noticed, if you've been on a Zoom call with me, I guarantee most of you have seen me disappear, right? <laughs> if you've been on a board meeting, I've disappeared probably more than a dozen times. And it's not my computer, it's, it's my connection. And so I do these speed tests on my phone, and lo and behold, it's like one step above dial-up, it looks like. It's, it's really bad. I was, I was comparing it with numbers online. I was like, man, I called the company. I did everything I could. They couldn't do anything. And so my brother just moved here from... Tampa. He's the new pastor at the Celebration Church here in the Orlando area. My older brother, which is awesome because it's good to have him close by. And he's actually living in a popular right, right near my house, maybe three miles away. We're neighbors, which is really cool. But when he got here, he goes, Brian, he said, I just called. I got my internet hooked up. He goes, listen, I am getting fiber optic internet. As a matter of fact, he said, they're guaranteeing me I'm getting a thousand megabyte download on this internet system. I'm like, whoa. I said, that's like, that's like in, immensely better than what I got right now. He goes, we should call and see. And so I called the company. I'm not going to mention company names here. And lo and behold, it wasn't available when I first moved here, but finally it is now. And I said, yes, please come install this new internet system at my house. It was in my neighborhood. 
And so I'd wait two whole weeks, and in the time, and as it was passing, I was, I was telling Brandon and Miriam, I said, listen, this is, we're going to be entering the promised land of internet. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fast, blazing fast. Never a drop thing again. No Zoom drops. We're going to be able to watch our shows without having it interrupted every 10 minutes. It's going to be awesome. And so the guy comes, and he's, he's working on my stuff. I was, I was anticipating. I was just anxious to, to hit those buttons and see the blazing speeds. And so he's outside. He's going to the box. He's coming back in. And so he's there for an hour. He goes, I said, is everything okay? He's like, yeah, everything's fine. Just it's taking me some more time. I was like, okay. I showed him the box upstairs where the wires were all hooked up. Goes up there, comes back down, not saying a word, just kind of sitting there watching him. And he goes outside again, comes back in. Hour passes by. I said, are you sure everything's okay? He says, yeah, everything's fine. And so another half hour goes, like, I just need to call the company and, and get some information. So he goes, okay. They said it all the time. Calls the company, comes back in. Half hour later, he comes in with a sullen, disappointed look in his face. He said, Brian, he said, unfortunately, I cannot hook up the internet in your house. And immediately my countenance fell. I went, what do you mean? I've been telling my, my, my wife and my son, my brother, now he's going to have better internet than me. I can't do that. He's my older brother. There's competition here. How am I going to live with this? And he's like, I'm sorry. He says, listen, they designed this, this neighborhood. They, they made it where your house was about 390 feet away from this box that I need to hook you up to. But unfortunately, Cat5 internet cable only goes 300 feet. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Is there anything we can do? He's like, can you move the box? No, I can't do anything. I said, well, can you just go ahead and hook it up anyway? He goes, no. He goes, it'll be like having smoke signals. That's how slow it'll be. And I said, never mind. And so I was defeated. He couldn't complete the job. And I thought maybe there was something we could do. But he walks out and he was gone. And so now I'm, I'm trying to find some other options. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I was thinking about <laughs> that guy. I know he tried all he could. He was going above and beyond, calling the company, offering to call my association, see what could be done. But nothing could be done because he just didn't have the reach and the capacity to finish the job that he intended and started. Because I was contemplating that this week, even in my disappointment, I'm reminded that there is somebody who is on our side that always has the reach, always has the capacity to finish the job that he started. And we all know who that is. Turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians 1, verse 6. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Being confident in this very thing, this is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi, that he, meaning Jesus, who began the good work in you, what's it say? Will what? Will complete it. He will never say to you, you're too far out of reach. I just don't have the capacity to get to where you're at or to meet your needs. He will never say that. He will always meet the promise that he's given us. He will complete the good work he has began in you. Until the day of Jesus Christ. And when is that? It is his imminent, soon return. And so, if Jesus hasn't returned yet, he is still working. He is still working for you and in you. He's working for your families. He's working for your situation that you're having a difficult time in right now. He is working, and it is not outside of his reach to accomplish it. How many of you here are confident in Jesus' promise? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Because his promise is 
sure. We've been talking about this race, and we've been talking about all the reasons we drop out. We give up, we give out, we give in because of trials, because of time and tiredness, because of baggage we need to hand over to Jesus that's so hard to hand over. But the question remains, we finish this series today with the, I think, the all-encompassing question, how do we indeed finish the race? It's not about how we avoid dropping out, but how do we indeed finish the race that we've started with him, that he has started in us? The key point is this today. Now, here's what we'll be talking about. Here is the perennial point to finish this race. Are you you listening? We cannot run it alone. You cannot run it and finish it alone. That's a loaded statement, by the way. It's loaded, but it's biblical. Let's go back to our main passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. As we draw to a close this series on the Olympiad of the ages, and finishing it, finishing this race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Reading again. It says in verse 1, Therefore, we also, those of us who are here, those believers who have put their trust in Jesus, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Do you ever pause there and think, what is he talking about here? We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. He says, let us, in that environment, in that fact, run the race. It is within within that thought, within that scenario that he says we need to run the race, surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. The Greek word for race is agon, which is a technical term for the assembly of Greeks at their national games or the Olympics. So the actual meaning of the word race is not separate or alienated from the idea of community, of people, of more than being by yourself. You're not running the race by yourself. You are surrounded. You are in a community of people who is with you in the race. That's what Paul is saying, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, but who's he referring to? He's describing a roaring crowd in the stadium cheering on the athletes, spurring them on, calling them to keep trying. Don't give up. You can do it. Who are they? Hebrews chapter 11, we look through 1 verse 38. We're not going to read through those all. But we look through these verses of Hebrews chapter 11, and this is the crowd of witnesses. This is the cloud. We see those champions of faith like Abraham and Jacob and Joseph, Moses, all these champions of faith. And by the way, Notice in verse 30 through about 33, notice some of these, these sketchy people here. The harlot Rahab is listed as a champion or a hero of faith. We have Samson and Jephthah, shady characters when you look at their account in the Bible. David, who himself had some major issues. Man, if there is hope for these people to be a champion of faith, there is hope for any of us. Amen? They're listed on purpose. Because it is within this cloud that spurs us on. It is those who have championed the faith of Jesus throughout all the ages, whether it be through victorious things that they have done, raising the dead, shutting the mouths of lions, defeating the armies of the enemy, or whether it be those who have laid down their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ, those who have sacrificed and made the ultimate sacrifice for the kingdom of God. These are the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us 
These are the ones that Paul is referring to here. These are the Bible heroes of faith. But they also include people who've gone before us today. And I want you to take just a moment to think about those people in your life. That cloud of witnesses, not just the ones from the Bible or from history, but the ones in your life who have gone before and now may be laid to rest just like they were. Think about your parents, maybe your grandparents. Think about that, that person in your life who's made that difference, who's impacted you for the kingdom of God. Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was somebody else, a teacher. Maybe it was an elder or deacon or deacon. Maybe it was just a person in your church who took interest in you and cared about you. Maybe it was a neighbor. Who are the people in your life? Who is that crowd of witnesses that God has placed to encourage you, that, to spur you on? I'm reminded today, just on Thursday, we lost a spiritual giant in Charles Bradford, Elder Bradford, a, an amazing man of God in our denomination. The first African-American, North American Division president. And an amazing preacher and teacher and leader throughout many years, dying in his 90s. And we remember the work that God has done. But remember, it's not about Charles Bradford. As a champion of faith, you are never champion for who you are. But you're champion for the faith and the person you have your faith in. That's what makes you a champion. It's not you, it's him. And so Elder Bradford was a champion of faith, not because he was just a great man, but because he had his faith in the greatest man ever, Jesus, the God of the universe. I lost another champion of faith just a few weeks ago. I shared with you some, uh, some thoughts about him before, a memory. Uh, and he was my youth leader growing up, Bob Smith. He lost the battle of cancer just three weeks ago. And he, as I shared before, came into my life at a very difficult time. And it was God's timing as a mentor, as a friend, as, as a spiritual father, he came into my life and the lives of so many other young people in my church. He was in his mid-50s by the time he became our youth leader. And it seemed like he was totally out of touch in the beginning, singing country music and yodeling to us, and we weren't into it. But after we got to know him and how much he loved us, it didn't care. I, I didn't care if he yodeled all the time. It was awesome. We, we loved it. He could sing any country song with that country twang. We didn't care because he loved us. He cared about us. And I saw this guy. It was amazing. Bob Smith, he was the only Adventist in his family. And, and, and maybe only, he's only Christian. But I saw him through his example, through his loving character, through his faith in God. One by one, throughout the years, every single member of his family, his wife, his children, his grandchildren, all came to know Jesus. He was a newer convert to the faith of Jesus. But man, that made the biggest impact in my life, just witnessing not just what he did with us and for us, but that silent witness that he did in his family. What a powerful legacy that he left. And he's now resting, obviously. But he is part of that cloud of witnesses in my life that has impacted me. Friends, we draw power and strength from the crowd. Not because they are amazing, but because God has used them in our lives to make a difference. It is those who have gone before us. But friends, that, that, that cloud surrounds us. Remember what Paul says, it's not just those who are in front, but it's those who are beside us, who walk alongside us in this journey. They are part of that cloud of witnesses who spur us on, who encourage us. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's your friends, maybe it's somebody else in your life who encourages you and spurs you on when you are about to give up. 
that's the cloud that you're in right now that God has placed you in, that has placed around you. And what about those who are behind us, the generation to come? That is also part of this cloud of witnesses. We are encouraged and we, we move forward because of those who will come after us, our children and our children's children, if time shall last. It urges us on to move forward to finish the race in Jesus Christ so that they too can see the heritage of God in and through us and that they too can carry that heritage on in the faith of Jesus, trusting Him and knowing Him, having a life in Him, an eternity in Him. Sometimes we forget about those who are coming after and we forget about what's happening now in relationship to that. Too often, we give in to the idols of Moloch and we perpetuate that in our families instead of perpetuating the faith of Jesus. But God is not, his hand is not short where he cannot even break those generational things in our families and our lives. Amen? Nothing is beyond his reach. He's not limited by cat five. He's got cat a million. He's limitless. His reach can reach you anywhere, can overcome any obstacle. Draw strength from the crowd. But secondly, secondly, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this. It says, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, as we said last time, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice that last part. There is a race that is set before you. There's a race that is set before me. There's a general race we're all running in, but there is a specific race that you are running within the context of the larger race. Do you realize that? You have a specific place in the larger race that we're all running. This race of faith for the kingdom of God. God has you on a certain path, on a certain lane in that track where he is wanting to do amazing things in and through your lives, through our lives. Just like in the Olympics, there's 33 events, hundreds of participants from hundreds of countries, each one unique, but each one has a specific task to represent their country. You're not going to see the Greco-Roman wrestler running the marathon. You're not going to see the power lifter playing ping pong. Maybe he's good, but that's not his game. They stay in their lane. <laughs> they stay in their lane. They, they, they do what they've been called to do, what they've trained to do, their purpose. That's why Paul says, let us run the race that's set before us, the race that's set before you and me. What is that? God has a unique plan for each of our lives, for your life and my life. But instead, many times we worry about everybody else's lane and what that looks like. We're always looking elsewhere. I appreciate Pastor Alex's sermon last week because he talked about how we compare ourselves with other people. Comparison is a spirit killer. Many times we kill our spirit because we focus on everybody else's lane except our own. We worry about what is someone else is doing, how God is blessing them, how successful they are, what their family's doing on the internet or Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram. They look so happy. How come we're not so happy like they are? I wish, I wish we did that, that kind of stuff, those epic vacations, whatever. Comparison is a spirit killer. And sometimes then we, shade, we cast shade on our fellow racers because each lane is different and we don't believe their lane is as important as ours sometimes. 
But let us stop casting judgment because we've not run a mile or a single yard in their lane. (laughs) And nor have they run in your lane. And that's where we need to have grace and love towards each other. You weren't called to be maybe a scholar, a musician, or somebody else. You've been called and designed to be who God has made you. He has a purpose for your life. It was Jeremiah 29. We know that verse very well. That God has plans for us, plans to prosper us, to give us a future and a hope. God has a purpose and a plan and a good plan for our lives. Does that mean things are always good? No. Things are always pleasant? No. But God has a plan and all things will work to the good of those who love Jesus Christ, who are called according to his purpose. Even the raunchy, nasty stuff we wish never happened, he is using to shape us and mold us, to transform us, and sometimes even to save us. Some of us have been trying for years to achieve the dreams of maybe our parents, but it hasn't been our dream. Maybe it's not even God's dream for our life. We need to stop changing lanes all the time and stay in the lane that God has shown you and not worrying about everybody else's lane. As a matter of fact, when we step in other people's lanes, we get disqualified in the Olympics. <laughs> and that's what happens in this race. We disqualify ourselves because we stop looking at what God wants to do, and instead we start thinking more about what somebody else is doing instead of what God wants to do in us and through us. In 2016, in the Rio Games, there's something that is memorable. The last Olympics... During the 5,000-meter qualifier, the women's qualifier, there was a, a collision on the qualifying run. And it was an American runner, Abby Agostino, and Nikki Hamlin from New Zealand. They, they, they collided halfway through the, the track, and they fell with, with Nikki injuring her knee. Well, their, their dreams were shattered. They, they basically knew they could not win the race. But something amazing happened. If you remember what happened... Abby stops, and she could have kept going, but instead she stops. Nikki could have been angry for Abby running into her and making her fall, but neither exemplify that. Instead, Abby Agostino, the American runner, comes back, helps Nikki up, and tries to help her finish the race, walking together. In the midst of the shattered dream, what has been said since then is that a lifelong friendship was formed. Many times... We face shattered dreams in our life, in this path that we're on. But many times it's in that shattered dream that God is doing something that is transformational, relational to somebody else that we might not have met otherwise if we weren't on that path. Our shattered dreams and disappointments are sometimes where God does his most amazing work in our life. And by the way, the only time you ever step out of that lane is to step into somebody else's to lift them up and to encourage them. Not to judge, not to cast shade, not to do whatever, not to compare, but to come alongside them and lift them up and encourage, to speak words of life and hope into them. It's okay to step into that lane. Draw strength from the crowd. Stay in your lane. And back to verse 2. Let's read one more time. Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Secret number six, we need to fix our eyes on the trainer. Jesus, Jesus is the one 
who is working in us. He is the one who's transforming us. He's the one preparing us. He is leading us. Who better to train than the one who made us, the one who tailored you, who knows you, every hair in your head, knows everything about you, knows your past, present, and future. We need to fix our thoughts on Jesus. Many times in this race, we get so caught up in advancement, thinking we need to to move past certain things spiritually. We need to get to this high level of spirituality. And so many times we forget the basics, the basic stuff that keeps us grounded in Christ. Instead, we think we have to know special truths that nobody else knows or, or have inside information, but that's not the case. Simone Biles, if you remember this Olympics, she had to drop out for a time because she introduced us to the term twisties, not the stuff you do your bread bag with. But for a gymnast, the twisties is when something happens in your mind where when you're doing these flips and spins in the air, you lose track of where you're at in your mind and you don't land properly. It's dangerous. And so you're disoriented and you don't know how to actually do what you've been practicing all your life pretty much. And so if you remember, Simone had to take time off. She actually dropped out, finds a gym where they allowed her to train, and her and her trainer go there. And she starts from ground zero, back to the basics, back to the elementary aspects of what she knew how to do. And from the ground up for several days, had to retrain, relearn, go back to the basics before she could finish the event. Many times we get the spiritual twisties. We get disoriented. We lose track of where we are at because we're looking for something bigger and higher and and deeper sometimes without remembering the foundations of who we are in Jesus. The basic stuff that we are loved, we are saved. Jesus died for us and we're saved by grace and grace alone. Nothing more, nothing less. We forget about that stuff, thinking there's more that we have to attain to when really it's all about Jesus. And that's why we have to spend time with the trainer. Every single day. I know it sounds cliche, but every day we have to spend time with the trainer. We have to carve out that time, friends. Every one of us, and I know as well as you do, for my own self, that sometimes that is hard. Everything gets in the way. And to spend time with the trainer. And finally, verse 2, as we look towards the end of that verse. It says, Let us run the race with endurance that is set before us, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher. If you want to finish the race, if we want to finish this race, we must run with the finisher. Jesus is the finisher. Jesus is the closer. He is the only one who's going to bring you to the finish line. Nobody else. You can't get there on your own. Never. You never have. You never will. It is only with Jesus. He is the author, the finisher of our faith. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 46 where he says, O house of Jacob, he says, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried you since your birth, even to your old age and your gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I, will, I have made you and will carry you. I will sustain you and will rescue you. From cradle to grave, it is Jesus. He helps us as the, as the author and the finisher of your faith. 
where it started, where it will end when we take our last breath or, or he comes in the clouds of glory. He is the one who began it. He is the one who will finish it. And that's why in Revelation in chapter 1, four times he says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. I am he who was and is and is to come. Jesus says, I have always been there. I am the starter and I am faithful to be the finisher. And he ends Revelation with the same word. Behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the everything in and for us. He began the good work and he will complete it. He has promised until he comes and praise God, he is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. He ran the race himself, the race that we couldn't finish. And he crossed that finish line by giving up his last breath on the cross of Calvary as a universe was watching with bated breath to see what would happen. Jesus pays the ultimate price. He crosses the finish line. And now the human race can cross that finish line with him because of what he's already done. That's why it says, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You are his joy. I am his joy. That's why he went through with it, because of you, because of me. He is the author and the finisher, and he loves you. He is the one who has made you and will sustain you and bring you home in the very end. Hallelujah. Amen. If you would all stand for the closing song, please.
if you could just please have a seat for just a couple minutes. We have uh, just a little, something a little different today. Um, I'm going to invite Pastor B to come forward. And I know this is not going to be a surprise to many what he's about to share, but we want to give him a chance to share with you for just a moment uh, something that's happening in his life and from his heart. Thank you. Good morning, Spring Meadows. Um, as many of you know, um, I will be the senior pastor of the Sligo Seventh-day Adventist Church in Tacoma Park, Maryland. The installation for it will be in October 9, so in the following weeks, we're going to be transitioning out. Next week will be our last Sabbath here. It will be our last sermon for this year. So somebody said, can we invite you back? I said, as long as Pastor Brian pays for the flight, we're good to go, you know, so that'll be exciting. Um, So that's what's happening, Um, but we did want to give you at least a little glimpse before we... uh, you know, next week we'll be sermonizing, so we're not really going to get into all those topics, but... Not, not today, but... Correct. We, we know that an email went out, you all probably found out, many of you, word travels, but we just wanted to give you an opportunity to share, and, and uh, I know Thank I you. speak for all of us that this is very difficult. <laughs> oh, man. We, you've been here a year, but you have you've changed each of our lives and impacted us in a great way. Thank I, you. I've got to save stuff for next week, but I just want to thank you and praise God for for the ministry and faith that you produced here at our church. Thank you so much. Um, I was wondering... <laughs> thank you. Um, we just, before, you know, before we get into uh, just the week coming up for us as a whole, uh, uh, on behalf of Anish and I, we just want to say thank you to, to first, uh, God for allowing us to serve with you. And then secondly, of course, the pastoral team, Pastor Brian, Pastor Alex, Pastor Chandler, and early on, Pastor Molly, who at a distance, you know, kind of says hello. But um, you guys are phenomenal, and we've just uh, really enjoyed your presence, and we've accepted each other's family as family, so we thank you for that. And of course, to the church leadership and to the rest of the church as a whole, I've been saying uh, these past couple of weeks, God truly has a sense of humor. Um, and perhaps if I could just say one thing before, you know, we kind of end up just this Sabbath and we all get to heaven, right? Um, there is a work that we are all called to do, and there's a lot to do. And that's not just pastors. That's all of us. And we have a work to do. And the faster, the quicker we do it, the faster and quicker people will come to the Lord. So that's part of our task, not only here in Orlando, and hopefully it extends elsewhere, wherever we may go. But thank you so much. We love you all, and uh, God bless for this morning, but we'll see you throughout the week. We're, we're grieving already, but we are also happy for you and your family, because we know God, God has ordained this. He's been moving, and uh, just congratulations on behalf of our church for what God is going to do. Thank you uh, so much. Ministry through you. I wasn't thank sure you. whether you were going to cry first or... <laughs> You know, fight you. Yeah. No, so anyway, uh, Spring Meadows, thank you. thank you. If I don't thank you next week, I yeah. think somebody said, we're not here next week. Well, I said, that's your fault. You know, so uh, part, of, uh, part of that Guys, don't is... don't miss next week. Come on. Part of this is, is, is if projectively you're not here next week, it would be nice to greet you this week and perhaps take a picture. Um, I do charge 10, 10 cents a picture, so that's okay. But uh, please fund here, don't though, right? go elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> please say goodbye to us if that's the case. But um, from our family to yours, you know, thank you from our hearts.
Thank you. Let's have a closing word of prayer, and we're going to lift uh, just Alex and his family up as they are transitioning all, even this week. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, these are not the announcements we want to hear, because if we become family as we're part of your greater family, and as we work together, minister together, live together, laugh together, Father, we, we grow close. And so that makes when we, we move even more difficult. But Lord, we know you have a purpose. We know that you have been working. This is no surprise to you. Lord, you've known this all along. And so that we trust you and we thank you for how you've been working, even if it means for us to lose somebody that we cherish and love dearly, knowing, Lord, that you have amazing things in store. So Lord, we ask that you would guide them this week as they're preparing with many things in this transition. Give them strength and courage and wisdom open up the right doors for them as they are looking there for housing and all these different things that need to take place. We know that you already have things set, that you will open those doors and reveal your plan. So Lord, bless us this week as we are here. I pray, Lord, use us, protect us, keep us safe as well. And as Pastor B has said, that we would be about your work and your mission. No matter what's happening, you've called us to that. So we thank you and fill us with your spirit. And in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.